Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. You're seeing every man in heat twisting their wings, showing off their testosterone. <laughs> oh no, here we go. <laughs> in hopes to woo the woman. There are some things that were shared with me that there might be people here treating this like a spring break. If that is the case, like, I don't want that. Interested in that, I want to make it very clear. My purpose is solely for me finding my person. You all hopefully should be here for that as well. I feel like I'm gonna be like Will Smith right now and like that team are really messed up so Scamania means swift water and right now you're in the heart of the Columbia River Gorge this is a place that's famous for its rivers for its forests and its clean mountain air fun fact too this place is also famous because they have more Bigfoot sightings than anywhere in the country yeah in fact Sasquatch himself has been spotted around these areas more than a couple times so keep your eyes peeled you might see them He's real. All right, but on a more serious note, Charity's here. I put my heart out there every single week. I end up not getting a one-on-one, I get a two-on-one. One person gets a rose and they're bringing Charity home without a one-on-one. And one person's going home. I know that there's only three roses up here. That means I'm saying goodbye to one of you all. It absolutely destroys me. I have been going back and forth all day and what to do. Um, But it's necessary to get to what I want and what we all want, which is to find a forever person. Okay, God help me. Me in this moment of being Trudy Lawson, who Trudy Lawson is in 2023, not willing to settle, not willing to put up with just whatever, being selfish what i said something i struggle with i'm going to be selfish in this moment and i wish i could open this but it's not happening and we start with you trista obviously you have remained with your your person and that gives me so much inspiration and hope um so with that what would be your advice for just like you know like making it you know work and a long-lasting like healthy marriage you know i will say that we're not perfect like everybody but um Forgiveness. It's Charity Lawson. Will you marry me? A million times. Welcome to Game of Roses. This pace case. This is Bachelor Clues basking in the afterglow. Of Bachelorette season 20. That was just something I made up right on the spot to try and reflect how I'm feeling today. Wow. Today. Thank you very much. A prodigy. Uh, well, I don't know if you can say that anymore. I am 47 years old, but... You're just baby clues, though. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll take that as a high compliment. Thank you very much. And today is the first Monday since Bachelorette Season 20 started airing a couple of months ago that we don't have our beloved game on TV tonight. But what we do have... And this is one of the first times that we can actually say that. I am sad that we're not getting more charity tonight. I am sad that our beloved game is not on tonight. But uh, what we have for you today is our breakdown. The top 10 things that we think are the most important events or incidents or things that have happened as a result of Bachelorette Season 20. These are the things that potentially could kick the show in a new direction, a new era that will affect the history of our beloved game. And of course, at the end of this episode, we're also going to have our season-long awards, Creature of the Season, mm-hmm. Jorge Moreno, Bystander of the Season, Face Play of the Season, Era of the Season, Play of the Season, and MVPs of this important, important season. We have it all. Indeed we do. So, do you want to dig in, Pace Case? Let's go. Wait, I have a question. Please. Did we ever see I am clap, clap, heartbroken? Hell no. What the actual F? Correct. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, wait a minute. What happened to that? Because I had a whole bunch of memes in my head that I was going to make out of it, and it never showed. (laughs) Big mistake. All right, that's my error of the season right there. I agree. Release all the footage. Come on, producers. We want... 10,000 hours of footage every season, at least. Release the footage that the wine company has stolen from you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How does Apothic have better footage than the show sometimes? I don't get it. But uh, let's start out our list at number 10. And we're going to count backwards as all top 10 lists do. Mm -hmm. Number 10 is, uh, of course, something very near and dear to our hearts here at Game of Roses. We saw a DLP sign in the document. This is further gorification. This wasn't just some person running in the in the background of a crowd shot. This was a person in the audience holding up a sign that said DLP with DLP's face on it in fire and that making the cut. I mean with red eyes, with red demonic eyes. That doesn't happen on purpose. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> I was like, uh, I think it happened on purpose. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it happened. Now, it's our belief that this sign was created by producers and given to this person to hold aloft in the audience. And then furthermore, mm-hmm. producers decided to include that shot in the edit. Mm-hmm. It is our belief that this is very strong evidence, along with, by the way, the fact that Charity, during the season... Uh, put out an Instagram story that said, go listen to Game of Roses. To us, this is pretty clear evidence that we are being embraced uh, by mm-hmm. by the show itself, which was one of our stated goals. I think we can't deny it any longer. The DLP sign is pretty, uh, yes. pretty clear glorification of our beloved game. It's a moment we've been working for since the very beginning. Indeed it is, but this moment, although we've worked for it and now achieved it, is simply one step on what you might call a ladder, Pace Case. And there's always another rung to climb. Love love you to keep me keep me back down to earth, Clues. <laughs> Don't let me get too excited. We've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. And the next mm-hmm. rung on that ladder, believe it, is going to be you and me hosting a Huju group date competition. 
in Bachelor Season 28, which starts shooting Mm -hmm. in a few short weeks. Once again, producers, we are here. We might have originally put out the call saying it would be a podcasting uh, date, but it's now a Hooju competition. But we would do either. I think that is the perfect date for us to host. A Hooju competition where we get to come in and say, Hi, everybody. This is something that's been happening in The Bachelor forever. We get to talk about the history of it. Mary Delgado was the first person to ever do a Hooju in season six when she met Byron Velvick on a softball field in her hometown in Florida. And since then, the art has progressed. We get to talk about all that history. We get to say that we coined the term Hooju to describe this element of the show. And now we're going to train all of you how to do perfect Hoojus. Then you're all going to have to Hooju uh, Joey Grazia Day. And we will, along with DLP and potentially Kelsey Weir, Celebrity Judge, we will decide who's the best Hoojuer. One other Jorge Moreno, Franco Lacosta, will be photographing the Hoojus. That I will put in my rider. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to pay us, but you got to bring Lacosta. Franco Lacosta and us are a package deal. Yeah. He doesn't know it, but <laughs> I declare it. <laughs> he just shows up. He's like, uh, who are you again? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> let's move on. That was number 10. Number 10 is, again, the gorification continues. We now had a DLP sign in the goddamn document. Thank you to the mm-hmm. producers. Thank you to the woman who held it aloft. Thank you. Everyone involved. A, a fantastic moment for us here at Gore. Thank you, Dark Lord Palmer, for allowing it. Benevolent King. I don't think he had any say in it, but uh, whatever fantasies you need to have. The look, the withering look you just gave me. <laughs> I was like, come on. He didn't even know that fucking song was there. Probably. I Maybe know, but it gets your goat. It's it's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of goats, our number nine most important takeaway from charity season is that there's a new goat in town and he has a few more years on him. The <laughs> number nine takeaway is that they announced the Golden Bachelor during this season. Gary, I mean, it's changing the playing field. Yes. We haven't had a new franchise since COVID. Yes. And I think this, you know, this this may seem innocuous, but it really isn't. Yeah. These, these, um... Yeah. Offshoots. What? What's happening? I was just doing an impression of what you just said. <laughs> yes. Did I do that? Yes. <laughs> I'm turning into Jeff Goldblum. All right. What I was going to say was, um, we have these little offshoot shows sometimes. Winter games, listen to your heart, whatever. And they, they come in, they come out of the franchise. I don't think any of these other things has had the anticipation behind it that the Golden Bachelor does. They have been talking about the show for many years, that it was going to happen, that it's not happening. Now we see the casting cards. Now we don't see the casting cards. Finally, this thing that has been in the works for so fucking long that really no other uh, show, no other network, no one else has done anything like this. It's my understanding there are other shows like this in development that will probably be coming out right on the heels of Golden Bachelor at other networks. But this is going to be the first one. It beat everything to market. And I think their their selection... Except Labor of Love. Right. Except Well, Labor of Love, though, they weren't 71 years old. That's true. But it was an older <laughs> cast. Yeah, for sure. They were mainly in their 40s. They had a couple of young guys in there. Um, but that was also on Fox, so we can dismiss it completely. Ooh, sorry about that. Dismiss. Uh, what I was, uh, say that was 
you know, he's a good, seemingly, from what we've, we've witnessed, especially when they announced him during uh, this season and gave him some screen time, he seems to be very good on camera. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a star. But I think what the announcement did during charity season was kind of serve the secondary function of getting the general public interested in Bachelor again in terms of its cultural relevance. I think it's been essentially destroyed by Love is Blind and all these other um, kinetic content Netflix shows and, and various other dating shows around the the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I think Golden Bachelor kind of put it back in that conversation of like, no, look, we're doing something new now. Yeah, These other shows can't do this shit. Think about how many think pieces there are going to be about Golden Bachelor when it comes out. Millions. There already have been a bunch about uh, the sex that he's going to have and what's the fantasy suites. I mean, there's a bunch of, of them that are, that are like that and he even makes jokes to, to that end. But yeah, I think this is going to really launch uh, a new kind of coverage tier or at least people scrutinizing this one more because it really is about... I mean, there's so much in this that I, I could fucking go into a dissertation about, but the idea that who is watching network television, it's at this point primarily baby boomers, people who have not yet cut the cable, so to speak, and given in to the streaming networks. Mm -hmm. It's an older generation that's still watching network TV. This is going to be on network TV. I think it's going to do massive ratings for them. At an earlier hour. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that's good. You know, I think I was skeptical at the beginning. I'm a lot less skeptical after the announcement and I'm more just like pure excited about it. And I thought they did a great job of boosting it during the, during the live shows and having the trailer and having the people from the season mingle with Gary, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm loving all the PTC promos for it. I mean, I produced tears. I don't even know this yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. The parasocial relationships already strong. Yeah, I think he's going to be great. But, uh, you know, I'm also hopeful that it's going to launch a franchise. I'm hopeful that we see a star come out of the player pool who gets to be the first Golden Bachelorette. Oh, I think we absolutely will. You think they're not immediately going to do that afterwards? There's someone that's going to emerge. As long as the ratings are good, yeah. I think they definitely Mm -hmm. will. And we'll know all the players on his season. That's coming out uh, tomorrow, I believe. They're going to announce them. And I'm sure we'll have some social media about that. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that in State of the Game or in uh, news in Twibbon at the end of this week. Well, no, we're doing Instagram breakdown. Oh, my God, we're going to have to. I also think we should do an Instagram breakdown of the VIP players because okay. some of them are less remembered. <laughs> I think it would be good to just check in with who everyone is. <laughs> Less remembered. That's a very nice way of putting some of these motherfuckers have under 10,000 Instagram followers. There's nothing wrong with that. Less remembered. No, it's good. Sometimes it's good to be less remembered. Hidden talent. Um, let's move on to our number eight most important takeaway from this season. It's that this season ended with the pairing of the first monoracial black couple in the history of The Bachelor. We talk all the time on the show. Let's go. About uh, inclusion, how racial diversity is represented or underrepresented or or whatever the case may be. Underrepresented is always the case. But to see uh, something like this means that progress is being made. Steps are moving in the correct direction. It is appalling to some degree that it has taken 20 however many years to get to this point but we are at the point finally Mm -hmm. we have crossed that threshold which is a good thing 
I mean, it's just like awesome. It's awesome to be here for this iteration when it has been a huge problem with our beloved game in general. Just race. I mean, we have the creator of the show and the host of the show getting fired for racism scandals in the last few years. It's so seeing this pairing is just it's iconic. It's history making. And hopefully the show will continue to treat them well and have them come back over and over again. Yeah. And also the, the I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about the ratings later on this list, but it's like this worked. Oh, I think within mm-hmm. the, the producer tier and at the network level, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the audience of this show wants, who the audience of this show is, and that for a long time they would use... No, I think they know exactly what their audience wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for a long time they would use this this argument that's about like... Suitcase play. Well, that's not what the audience wants. We need white, Christian, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you still have Christian here, but uh, these are not two white people. And the ratings for the show, again, as we're going to talk about later, were very good. So hopefully that message gets through to the network, gets through to the studio, gets through to the production company, and it opens their mind a little bit about who you can cast in the show and what kind of stories you can tell. And maybe it even goes beyond race and you get into some body diversity, stuff like this. Maybe that is coming Mm -hmm. as a result of this. I think the success of this season, uh, ratings-wise, hopefully has proven to, to some of the higher ups, the executives and stuff that like... You don't got to keep doing the same shit, dude. Yeah. You can have love stories with all different types of people. (laughs) Yeah. Period. And, you know, I think the removal of a certain uh, dark, dark emperor might have might have factored into this. And and clearly he didn't want charity. And look at how successful charity has been. Indeed. Our number seven top Takeaway from Charity's season is the double love level four. We have seen this in our game before. Season eight or ten or somewhere around there was the first actual double love level four by a lead in Bachelor. And we saw it for quote unquote the first time with Ben Higgins this season when he uh, did a love level for to both Jojo and his ring winner, Lauren. And he was kind of villainized for it at the time, but we saw charity double love level four here, love level three, her top four. And it has proven to not get any kind of a backlash. We are now accepting this. And I am hopeful that <laughs> the love level four power goes <laughs> even more, that we get even better casts for each person. And that becomes the true drama of the show. They're in love with multiple people. I completely agree. It doesn't get old. That is what the show is. Yes. That's the whole point of the show. Yeah. You should try to get your lead to love level as many to level for as many players as possible over the course of the season. And you should not present them as a villain for doing so. You should present them as somebody who is uh giving into the process. Giving into the process. Yeah. For TRR. Who's doing what they're here to do to find love and their best match. And who's been presented with good candidates. Yeah. That is what the drama is. And I think that I, I don't I don't know if the message sunk in. I'll say that much. 
But I will say, this season, the drama largely came from that, from the multiple love level fours. It presented the final two in a light that it was 100% plausible she could choose either one of them. That is what the drama comes from. Who's going to get fucking heartbroken in this moment? Who's going to be the winner? Uh, is Charity going to regret her decision? It's these kinds of things that you want to build the story around, not tormenting the lead to such a degree that they try to flee the scene. <laughs> that was a, a one-time thing. You got it with mm -hmm. Colton Underwood, and it did work in that season. But it has not worked since. Mm -hmm. and, and it's been attempted basically every season after that, trying to build to a point where your lead... Uh, is in a heap of tears having a nervous breakdown and saying, fucking book me a flight out of here. I never want to see you again to the producers. You don't want that. You want exactly this. You want a lead who, for whom the process has worked, for whom the process has been a fun experience. And now at the end, they are faced with an impossible decision. That's the drama. And it was done perfectly this season by allowing her to do double love levels and presenting her still as the hero of your fucking show. That's what you got to do. That's it. This is it. This is the blueprint. Bachelorette season 20 is the fucking blueprint. Double love level four. Just do it every season. This is the recipe. It truly is. Moving on. Our number six <laughs> most important takeaway <laughs> is, as we have it written here, I'm just going to read it. Feeling good. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since I think as, as a whole, not only for Pace Case and I, but everybody in the pit, probably everybody in the nation. Mm -hmm. it's been a while since we felt good at the end of a season, I feel like. Um, starting really with maybe Pilot Pete's season is the first one where you kind of walked away from that going, Ugh, because of all the shit that went down with Madison Pruitt, Sweet Nums is, is fighting with her in the crowd, and it was all kind of like manufactured. It wasn't believable that she was coming back to really be with Pilot Pete. It just seemed like the producers had their hands in everything, and it kind of fucked it up. And then from that season forward, you just saw... That's that's all it ever was. Bachelorette 16. You've got Claire Crawley. You just blew up the Bachelorette. And all the shit that we now know from her various podcast interviews about how the producers manipulated that situation, pushed her out, et cetera, et cetera. All the bad VIP seasons where they've got mass nervous breakdowns and they're making grocery store Joe fire people up the fucking beach and shit. Like it just has not felt good. We're watching an adult woman urinate herself. No, that I liked. Um <laughs> It just hasn't felt good in a long time, I feel like. Yeah. And this season really did. It felt fun. Um, we didn't have a racism scandal for the first time in what seems like a very long time. I, Yeah, it's... <laughs> I would say it's not even just the lack of a racism scandal. It's... it's uh, The show was fun. It is for our number five reason that we're about to get to... The tone, there was definitely a tone shift from the mm -hmm. last few seasons that we've been watching. It it didn't feel overly produced. I have no idea what is going on behind the scenes, but we enjoyed it and we wish yeah. there were more episodes and feeling good felt like it it needed its own spot in this because. Uh, yes, it, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's like, I think there are primarily kind of, there are two things that have made me feel bad about some of these past seasons. One of them is feeling bad for the people in the situation, for the players, knowing that the producers are really just fucking wrecking their lives, pushing them into bad mental health situations again and again for what the producers would claim was in quotes, good TV. That would make me feel bad watching this shit. And then the second thing 
really is like the racism scandal type shit of it. It's like, you know, always kind of questioning yourself when the guilt starts outweighing the pleasure of your guilty pleasure. Like, am I contributing to the success of this thing that seemingly every season is going to promote racist ideologies or at the very least have like some character in the show that has racist shit or whatever? That mm -hmm. was not here in any capacity. I didn't feel like any of these people in this show this season were like being held there against their will or forced to do things they didn't want to do necessarily. And like I said, mm -hmm. no racism scandal. There was no shit that was like outside the show. Which Claire Crawley said, Claire Crawley revealed she was like, they tried to make her hook up with people. Yeah, that she didn't want to. And um, I, I just, obviously that wasn't here, but the racism scandal thing is really like, not specific to a racism scandal, but that there's usually some kind of outside thing happening that the fourth audience finds out about a player. And then that takes mm -hmm. on like a life of its own. Sometimes it'll be pulled into the show and they'll make that player answer for it at a tell-all or the after the final row. So it does become part of the main document. Show their Instagram likes on a big projector. God, exactly. Uh, or the Garrett Ugarian thing. They made him kind of answer for his stuff as a ring winner and the Kirkconnell scandal and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think that for me to just like go into this and enjoy it again. And, and like we said in the very beginning, when we were doing recaps of the season, it was all cautious optimism because we, <laughs> it was just like tiptoeing. Like I felt like at any moment, some shit like that could blow up and it just never did. I know. I think after the first episode, we were like, but you know, it's just the first episode. Hopefully. <laughs> we yeah. Were so just didn't even want to admit to feeling good. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's when you know you've been in an abusive relationship with. <laughs> so you can't even admit that you're like feeling okay now. You're like, I think I'm feeling good, but I don't know. The, the pain of the last three years is too much for me to shrug off. But um, no, I, I just, I want to commend the producers for this season. Uh, I know we're very critical of them when things are bad. And mm -hmm. I, I have no problem saying like, I think this season was great. And they did a very good job at um, the presentation of it, the casting of it. There were only a few little hiccups throughout the season that were a little kind of eye-rolly, like, come on, guys. We, we don't need to have Aaron Bryant pretending like he's just roaming through a resort looking for charity with the help of the concierge that's on camera delivering lines you've scripted. No, that part I liked. Oh, that was your favorite part? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Um, but yeah, we, we hope everybody else is feeling as good as we are coming off the high of the season. Yeah. Uh, that's going to carry us through the off-season. We manifested it, Clues. Can you believe that? Yeah, maybe. Sure. I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take some manifestation credit. Opto 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it continues. Should have put that as one of these. <laughs> this is probably it. Opto, let's just say feeling good Opto 2023. <laughs> yeah. We've done yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of feeling good, one of the main reasons that we were feeling good this season is is a certain character, Braden Bowers, the king of Dangle Nation, represented to us a new era in the treatment of villains as more fun characters. Yeah, you know, you're rude against them, but they're not um, <laughs> assaulting the other characters or spreading... And, and the presentation is different. And by the way, this is our number five most important takeaway from season 20, Braden Bowers. It really represented a, a, a turning of treatment of villains. 
we have seen, especially in recent seasons, especially in bubble seasons, if you are getting a villain at it, it means you're going to get death threats. And I'm sure Braden got them, by the way. But it means that the... Um, yeah, I'm sure he still got death threats. Yeah, but the, the show embraced him. And I do think that that takes a lot of the the energy out of kind of the the more toxic piece of the nation that will send the death threats and stuff. Mm-hmm. When they're bringing him back to the tell-all and giving him a whole promo of making out with Kat Izzo and when he's sitting next next to Rachel Recchia at the fucking after the final rose. Sitting next to Rachel Recchia. And he got the fimp, by the way. Right. Which is an important thing to note because he was presented in this season. Oh, it's a very important thing to note. Uh, he was presented as somebody viable that... Perhaps Charity would wind up with him, did like him. Usually villains, as soon as they're isolated as the villain, that is not a possibility for the villain in the edit. At that point, at least in in prior recent seasons, the villains would be carved off, singled out as a horrible pile of shit. Maybe they get uh, embroiled in a rivalry with one other player that winds up in a two-on-one or something. But none of those villains were treated like Braden Bowers was. And I don't know if that's the strength of his play, which was fucking strong. He's he's one of the strongest players I think we've ever seen. Or if that was the producer saying, we need to make villains fun again. Because even like with with the uh, past kind of contemporary villains, you start to feel bad for that person. And it's like, you don't want to feel bad yeah. for a villain. You want the villain to be like impervious to anything and kind of like have that fuck you attitude. I am who I am and I'm not here to make friends and go fuck yourself, dude. If the show props that person up, they can do that. If the show tries to tear them down, they cannot do that because it's just too much weight. You get uh, crushed under it. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, we had Corinne Olympio. She got, what, six or 700K on Instagram. Like, I am hoping, maybe this is too opto, but maybe we'll have this era where, you know, you don't, the moralistic judging of these people will just be a little less, you know, like people won't. Yeah. And that is in, that is in the presentation. I absolutely believe there was a way to present this to make everyone hate him or any of them. Oh, for sure. For sure. And they didn't, they, again, they, they embraced him. They, they understood, I think what they had in him too. I mean, it's gotta be a little bit of both. It's the presentation and it's the power of the player. I do think that these producers, like as soon as he walked on set or maybe even in the casting process, they were just like, oh, fuck, this is the star of paradise. Like, Mm -hmm. I think they knew it immediately that they had a kind of singular talent in Braden Bowers and they were going to try to prop him up as much as possible and give him some space to do his thing. You know, (laughs) whatever that may be, wearing a crazy Mm -hmm. hat or a scarf or the earrings or whatever. But let's give him these, uh, these radishes for him to chomp on. Yeah. And that might also be, by the way, um, kind of what they were waiting on. Maybe they needed a Braden Bowers to be able to make villains fun again. And I think this is going to go such a long way for all uh, subsequent seasons in the near future. Because anybody who watched this season, who's coming in as a player, and let me just say, plenty of players for Bachelor 28 watched this season and are coming in as players. They see this, and they're now not afraid to be villains because this Mm. is a beloved figure now. If you become a villain a season, it could be like a Braden Bowers. Braden Bowers, I can just say uh, clearly, became a hero player to some people who are going to come into this next season and the season after that and the season after that. Definitely a hero player for clues. Absolutely. And I just don't think we've seen a villain hero player in a long fucking time. I'm not not convinced that you coached Braden Bowers. <laughs> 
I have no comment on this matter. Moving on. Our <laughs> number four uh, most important takeaway. Just whisper dangle if you did. <laughs> you just see, next time you see me, I've got on earrings. Huh? What do you think <laughs> of that? Um, all right. <laughs> Our number four most important uh, takeaway here for season 20 of The Bachelorette was, in our opinion, this was the best mental all and after the final rose, perhaps, in history. Um, these haven't always been a part of the show in, in the way that they are now, shot in front of a live studio audience and all this. And we've gone through eras where they will, for example, hire actors to pop up out of the crowd and run on stage and make out with people or run on mm -hmm. stage and cut a piece of their hair for their their personal psychopath collection. All of these kind of heavy-ended things. Or show a fake tattoo. We've gone through eras where the woman tell-all was a thousand couches stretched across a football field studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of changes with the tell-alls, but uh, we just thought that these, the tell-all on the After the Final Rose, the live studio audience portions of this season were done impeccably well. Um, we saw, of course, the incredible Council of Crowns that showed up for charity at the mm -hmm. After the Final Rose that was the the mother of all bachelorettes, Trista Rain, bachelorette number one. And mm. we had Desiree Hartsock, who was a successful bachelorette in her own right, coming out of Sean Lowe's season 17 to herself run essentially a perfect season, winding up marrying her ring winner, having kids, et cetera. And Deanna Pappas, who is now no longer married, uh, sending a message that even that is okay. You are still bachelor royalty, even if you are not uh, legally wed mm -hmm. and betrothed to someone in the eyes of God. And some of this was couched in it's the 20th bachelorette season. And they, I would include in this, the little videos that they had the previous bachelorettes record wishing charity luck, which we loved in the first episode. Yeah, I am hopeful that these are not just because it is a 20th season and that it will continue. Lo and I loved, we had fucking sweet numbs back in the document, back in the emotion mm -hmm. box. That was amazing. Yeah. And we also got to see the Golden Bachelor. We had DLP wearing earrings at one point during this. These, both the tell all and the after the final rose, I felt had a light, fun tone while still treating the show, the game, with reverence. There is a respect that is being paid to the game now especially in these tell-alls and after the final rows that I don't think we've seen in a long time. When you have people, paid actors, like coming out of the audience to do these stupid bits, it, it just diminishes any of this shit. If you're watching this show, if you're a fan of this, if you're in the pit, as we all are, you take this shit seriously. And yes, it's fun for us and we joke about it and all that stuff, but it's like we've devoted some significant portion of our lives to the study of this thing, the viewership of this thing. We've devoted 100% of our lives to this game. I wasn't going to say the number. I didn't want to scare people, but yes, that's accurate. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can you can find your own number, whatever you think is healthy for you. We are at 100%, maybe over. That said... I just felt like these tell-alls like got it right for the first time in a long fucking time where it didn't seem like they were trying to make fun of people or um, even, even what we saw with like the fuck Peter thing, the Pilot Pete 2.0. That seemed motivated to me. 
it wasn't like they were just calling them out to try and get him in a fight. It was like, oh, he's going to be on Paradise and they need to give us something to like hang on to. You know, I, I think they're thinking about... Mm-hmm, to remember who he is. Exactly. It, it They had tones in these tell-alls to me or the live studio audience portions. It had tones of the producers looking at the franchise as a whole and saying, what are we going to use this to promote in Paradise or Golden Bachelor or whatever? And it just has a more kind of global view. It feels like they're taking care of the franchise again, that they are stewards of this thing that we all love so much. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims clues it is springtime it is the off season it is gore girl summer the weather's getting warmer thank true. dark lord palmer and it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. 
if you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Beautiful. Beautifully said. <laughs> well, <Wow>, thank you. <ye. laughs> Speechless. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Speaking of being cut off, our third top charity takeaway is they did a truncated season. These are the decisions of ABC in their airing schedule. We were we originally were starting later and then they made it earlier. It's also Clues did some digging on the number of episodes, and we haven't seen only nine episodes since season three, Jen Shaft, in 2005. The next closest to it was Katie Thurston only had 10, uh, and season 17, that was in 2021. Everybody else has at least 11 episodes, yeah, going all the way back to uh, Jen Shaft with many, Andy Dorfman, Caitlin Bristow, Hannah Brown, Claire Crawley, Tasha Adams, all coming in at 13. Those were the the biggest orders. But yeah, so this episodic order does come from ABC, from the network. They tell Warner Brothers, hey, we're going to buy X amount of episodes of this show for this season. They chose nine for Charity Lawson, which I think immediately says they did not have high hopes for this. Mm -hmm. They also, like you're saying, Pace Case, they started airing this an hour later. Out of its fucking regular time slot. Instead of 8 Central, it was 9 Central. And everybody's like, what the fuck? It's a two-hour thing. Now I got to stay up till 11 watching this shit. But something very interesting happened. Around episode three, they were looking at the ratings. I have to record my podcast after this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were worried about that. But after episode three, the ratings started ticking up. And they were like, oh shit, what's going on here? And they switched it back. And when they put it at its regular time slot, the ratings fucking exploded. And it was getting, by the end of the season, it was getting 0.55s, 0.56s, absolutely crushing all other Monday night shows that were uh, topping out at like 0.3 in the demo. So the end result of this, I don't know what it is. Does ABC <laughs> look at this and say nine episodes is the way to go? Maybe we fucked up on the, the time things. Short orders at 8 p.m. Yeah. Now, and, and I don't know. I don't know like how two more episodes or three more episodes thrown in here or maybe even four more fucking episodes if you want to go to 13. How does that alter the quality of this season? Mm -hmm. Is it too much? Do you want to leave us wanting more? I don't really know what the answer is here because I do want more. I wish there was more of charity season, but then if I had more, uh, is that a bad thing? I honestly don't know. Yeah, how would you feel if you had more? I also am like, it's so hard to tell what exactly is the factor here. It's, yeah. you know, you have Charity, who is one of the best leads we've ever had. You have Braden Bowers, who is 
a charismatic villain who has a good first audience game, which we haven't seen in a while. There's so much going on here that it's it's hard to to say that it's one particular thing, but I hope that it continues. <laughs> and I hope and I hope that uh, it affects the social media numbers as well. Oh, for sure that. Well, well, that was the thing that almost made our list. We'll talk about that at the end, the social media numbers. But I will say this. Uh, if getting only nine episodes means they are all of the quality that this season was, mm-hmm. give me nine episodes in every season. Yeah. I'm down with that, you know? Uh, like I said, I would have loved to have seen more of Charity, more of some of these players. But I'm, I'm willing to uh, happily make that sacrifice. I would have loved to see the mole thing last a lot longer. Yeah, Nehemiah should have been in every episode. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to give up two to four episodes if that means the quality of what I'm getting in those nine is this fucking good. Wowee. Indeed. Now let's move on. Speaking of wowee, to our number two uh, thing on our list here of top 10 takeaways. We're talking about the fourth black bachelorette. This is obviously historic, and it's good that these numbers are getting past the number one, first of all. Uh, But now we're getting into (laughs) that thing where (laughs) there have been four black bachelorettes. So there's kind of a a history. There's a sisterhood here happening. We still only have one black bachelor. In theory. Obviously, the the dwab is still going. No Asian bachelors. There still is a, a lack of equal representation. No fat bachelors. No. Right. Yeah. Um. There, there still is a, a, a lack of any kind of equal representation. Gay bachelor. But at the very least, again, it's moving in the right direction. Uh, and one thing that we have taken note of, as said by Rachel Lindsay, none of the other Black Bachelorettes came back for that Council of Crowns. So as good as it is that Charity is here as the fourth Black Bachelorette and she is in a, a relationship with a Black guy who won the show, all that's great. Still, we can't ignore the fact that Michelle Young, Rachel Lindsay, and Tasha Adams didn't fucking show up for that Council of Crowns. Mm-hmm. They they don't want to be a part of this. And as Rachel Lindsay said, uh, we we covered this in Digging Deeper. She was on a podcast talking about it. She was like, don't fuck this up with charity. Don't turn yeah. her against you too because you need somebody who is not fucking white to be able to come out and be like, I had a great experience with this. You will too. I support your decision to be the bachelorette, the bachelor, whatever it may be. Yeah. The fact that you have four black bachelorettes and you have destroyed the relationship with three is not good. Not good. Um, But maybe we're in a renaissance. I'm hopeful that we are. And I mean, again, Opto 2023, cautiously Opto 2023. Mm-hmm. Feeling good. Yeah. See Opto. 2023, Copto 2023. Is that anything? What? <laughs> Cautiously, Opto. Oh. That's Copto 2023, in my opinion. I don't like Copto. All right. Uh, how about Koshopto? Koshopto is okay. Koshopto 2023? Koshopto 2023. Okay. Um, <laughs> I even forget what I was going to say now because <laughs> I'm good fucking doing mental gymnastics trying to put these words together. I'm guessing you were going to say that you're cautiously optimistic. Oh, yeah, I am. That, I literally am. That's what I was going to say. The thing that I'm saying is the thing I was going to say. 
I am cautiously optimistic <laughs> about Paradise. It looks good from all the promos so far. Mm. I am cautiously optimistic about Golden Bachelor. It looks good from all the promos so far. And people seem to love fucking Joey as the Bachelor. So Bachelor 28. Oh, yeah. I think is going to be good, too. Uh, we'll see. The nation is horny for Joey. This is what I'm seeing. It does feel like that. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing as well. In my DMs, literally. <sighs> <laughs> literally. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, our it's, it's that time. It's time to come to the number one most important takeaway. Bring it. Our number one main takeaway from charity season is that it is the first season without Dark Emperor Fleiss. We saw them put the lead on a pedestal. We saw this this resulted in offering her Dancing with the Stars afterwards. This It resulted in her getting multiple love level fours and just being able to make that decision herself as opposed to some horrible thing happening. And we don't know exactly why this season was as good as it, as it was. But this is the one change that we do know about the show, mm -hmm. that they got rid of Fleiss and that they got rid of the people who were the closest to him in the production, it seems. Yeah. And Fleiss very definitely did not want Charity to be the Bachelorette. He had other plans for someone who was, how do you say, more white. But mm -hmm. Charity is phenomenal. I, I believe Charity will be regarded in history as one of the greatest Bachelorettes to ever wear the fucking crown. And to know that Fleiss didn't want her as Bachelorette, I think mm -hmm. it almost necessarily shows you what kind of an impact he would have had on this season. I, I don't know who he was going to select, and maybe that Bachelorette would have been great too, but Jesus Christ, Charity is, again, one of the greatest to ever do this. So to to know that he was in the mix saying no to her, yeah, really, I think, is all I need to know about even if he wasn't boots on the ground style with his producing, if he was more of a kind of uh, executive producer at this point, just making the big creative decisions about casting, that decision alone tells me that he doesn't get what the show is anymore. Uh, if he ever did, you know, I don't know. That that Vice documentary is out right now where they have interviews with him and stuff and some other producers from the early days, the classic seasons. And it doesn't seem like even then he was, he was doing the good thing or the right thing, but... It's... Yeah, it sounds like he was just looking for skinny blondes. Right. Uh, I mean, we see him in the show saying outright, you have to look at in a hot tub. Uh, anyway, we feel that this has altered the show in a pretty huge fundamental way. I think even in the different edits that Charity got between Zach's season and this season show that the raw material was obviously already there. They just weren't showing. They just weren't, they didn't know how to convey who she was. And, you know, I'm cashopto about the future. <laughs> so am I. And it's, it's also worth mentioning that this is like, you know, within what, two years of Chris Harrison being removed from the program as well. So you have now, mm -hmm these two kind of pillars of what the franchise has been for 20 years. The guy who created it, Mike Fleiss, and uh, Chris Harrison, the host, the face of it, of all of it, the entire franchise, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor of Paradise, all the shows, they are gone from it. It's completely pulled out now. So the tone can be different. 
and I even like the presentation of it. Like they're they're messing around with different logos and stuff, different typefaces for Bachelor mm-hmm. and Bachelorette. They're Her e- faces in the sparkler. Yeah, the face in the sparkler. There are like some subtle things that are being done in the visual presentation that I think uh I don't know if Fleiss was directly responsible for like locking in, like, no, this is how we've done it since the beginning, and you'll do it like this. That I have that in my mind, but I'm not sure if that's that's actually the case. But I think without his kind of the specter of his threatening presence uh-huh. being there all the time. I feel like these producers probably feel like, fuck, all right, let's take this in some different directions now. Like we have the ability to start trying new things, which this this franchise mm-hmm. needs that. If you're going to compete with all this other shit that's on Netflix, all these other shows that are like super contemporary where they're having conversations about abortions and all that kind of stuff. You got to be able to change things. They're having group sex and swimming pools. What show's that? Perfect match. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? It was more like me. We're, we're watching different shows. <laughs> I saw the vision. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's it. That's our top 10. And we hope you've enjoyed it. We have a couple of uh, items here that almost made the list, but not quite. Our number 12 on the list was the Instagram numbers for everyone involved in this season were abysmal. Poop toilet. The worst we've ever seen. Um, Charity only cracked 200,000 Instagram followers post after the final rose. I think potentially because of the uh, Dancing with the Stars announcement. I don't fucking know. None of the guys came fucking close to 100K. They're all out there trying to get their their paradise numbers. I don't even think Dalton has 100K, does he? What's Joey at? Oh, Joey, I think, did pass 100K. Dalton's at 88.3. So even your ring winner did not pass 100K. Joey Grazia Day's at 144. So that's actually good news, I think, that Joey is ticking up before his season is even shot. Hopefully, we're going to get back on track and see our leads cracking a million again and uh, seeing some of the players get into the high hundreds of thousands over the course of Joey's season. I I hope so. Hopefully that gaze can <laughs> work its powerful magic. <laughs> All this guy should be doing, in my opinion, is making minute-long TikTok videos and Instagram reels saying nothing, just staring into the camera with a slow zoom into his eyes. Give me one of those every morning. Mm-hmm. There's guys on TikTok who kind of do stuff like that. I know. Those are cringe TikToks. I've been told. I I follow a bunch of cringe TikTok (laughs) accounts and that's all it is. No, it's just like guys who are just like, here I am. Yeah. And they like touch their hair, but they're just like attractive. Okay. Look, I get it. You've been looking at my TikTok. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) You on TikTok, bro? Yeah, that's all I'm doing. Just these slow gazes touching my hair. Here I am. <laughs> okay. My TikTok is called Here I Am. <laughs> uh, just kidding. And we have one more uh, topic here that almost made our chart. This came in at number 11. Just missed it. We're talking about the second mole. We're talking about Nehemiah, Charity's brother. We hadn't seen a mole. Look, I haven't done the the hyper binge of Bachelorette, but the only other mole that I know of was in Jesse Palmer's season. His friend's wife pretended to be a player and gave him info for the first few weeks. And it was amazing. And I have been hoping for it to return ever since and was hopeful when we found out it might happen. 
then I was not hopeful when I found out it was just going to be the night one curveball. And then I was hopeful again when Nehemiah was a very charismatic bartender. Yes, I agree uh, with all of this. I was very hopeful that we were going to see him in more than just night one as well. But we learned recently that he had obligations at a local theater company where he was the star of some production that was going on. And that's why he couldn't be at the um, after the final rose. I love that. I know. His art his art was calling him. Those are our top 10 takeaways. We we couldn't have done this season, you know, without without the support of the pit getting us through all of these these dark seasons and now Kosh Opto 2023, hopefully our beloved game is having a renaissance. Yeah. There's a light not at the end of the tunnel but in a deeper part of the pit that we are now digging to. <laughs> there, there is no end. Is it between the rose walls? Yeah, exactly. Charities promos? I'm, I'm certain there's no end to the pit. I, I know we've we've been fond of saying the only way out is through. There's no way out. I've accepted that. You can't go through? No. It's infinite. 100%. Dig as long as you want. There will always be more to dig through. But now, speaking of more to dig through, let's talk about our, our season-ending awards here. So there was a lot of great play this season. Obviously, a lot of fucking absolutely abysmal play as well. A lot of funny play, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to go through, give you our season-long awards here. First up, Creature of the Season. Pace Case, who you got? For his gorgeous work in multiple promos, Gary's dog was my... (laughs) (laughs) Creature of the season. I was transfixed by this dog during the promos. He came back again and again, and I know we're going to see him in Oldini's season. And I can't wait. I hope he plays a pivotal role. I think he likely will as well. I don't think they're giving a dog that much screen time if he's not going to have like potentially his own one-on-one or group date. He better have ITMs like Copper. I bet he will. Rachel Lindsay's dog. He was a great creature. However, my creature of the season was DLP in a Bigfoot costume. (laughs) Creature of the season. You just very rarely see a dark lord debasing themselves in such a manner where they would do a full taut that is this outlandish and uh, even run through the forest at night in order to get cheap scares out of some of the players. My hat's off to DLP. He's taught lifestyle. He's wearing the... Is he really? Oh, yeah. He's Bigfoot. He's part of Dangle Nation when he gets that Kringle. He loves the earrings. He's always dressed up for the Food Network stuff. Oh, true, true. Well, I my hat's off to DLP. He is a great DL. I, I won't argue that. I know you Mm -hmm. think he's empathetic king and all this. I don't agree there, but I do think he's a great dark lord. And he, when he does stuff like this, he shows the lengths that he is willing to go to give us, in quotes, great TV. Next up, the Jorge Moreno, bystander of the season. Who you got, Pace Case? For his outstanding one-episode arc as the leader of a one-on-one date on the bayou 
who was so talented that he then got brought back for the After the Final Rose. Captain Tom was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the season. Here's a good one. There's no doubt about it. And probably he should be mine too, but he's not. I mean, if you're just going for screen time, impact on the game, all the metrics that you would usually give awards for, he is the clear winner, but not my winner. My winner was Aria, the Skamania scout that spoke in a demonic voice (laughs) on that group date. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno. Bystander of the season. I just... Oh, look. I remember. It was a child version of you. <laughs> Anybody who's going to speak in a demon voice is going to get my award. And if you go back in season five, you can see uh, Dark Lord Jesse Palmer as a bachelor speaking in a demonic voice doing a Schmeagol impersonation from Lord of the Rings. Uh, another highlight of that season for me. But Aria, the Skamania Scout, you get my Jorge Moreno bystander of the season. I hope to see you doing more demon work in future bystander roles, perhaps in other reality franchises. I mean, why not bring her back? I agree. What was your face play of the season? This one was hard for me. A lot of fantastic face play. Uh, Braden was face playing his ass off. Charity was face playing her ass off. Dawton had some great face play throughout the season. However, there was one face play that seemed so genuine, so real to me. I had to give it my face play of the season, and that was Aaron Bryant's look of shock at Braden Bauer's resurrection. Face play of the season. When he walked back in that room, Aaron Bryant, you could tell, did not see this shit coming and did not feel good about it. Uh, It was huge eye aperture. Huge mouth aperture. It just looked... It was like seeing a real resurrection. Yes, it was. It was as though he saw Jesus Christ come out of the fucking grave. It was like, holy shit, magic is real. Uh, I just loved it. And uh, Aaron is somebody who wasn't really known for face play this season, in my opinion, but he pulled off what I thought was the most important one. In your opinion, there's a lot of people who will argue with you on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well... Mine was actually one that I didn't give out during the season. It was my runner-up for the After the Final Rose uh, face play slash finale. And I, look, I put it on my Instagram and I said, everyone vote. Did I get the face play right? And the one I gave to Dotton, his happy face at the engagement lost to this one shot of charity Uh, She is on the happy couple couch with Dotton talking to DLP and DLP is like, I have a surprise for you. And then he says, after the break, and she looks up and she is so shocked and she's like, oh, Jesse. Face play of the season. It is so good. It is so powerful. It just shows me why she really is a star. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 
15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is gonna feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe, unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. 
Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. And she had a, a lot of amazing face plays this season. It wasn't a one-off. Oh, no, I agree. That's one of the things that, that elevated her. Like her play as Bachelorette was pretty much perfect. As we said up top, she was able to pull off a double level of a four and not come off villainous in any way. But adding that flourish of just a, a repertoire of various face plays throughout the season makes her fantastic to watch, super entertaining. She just was a great Bachelorette. Uh, and there's not mm -hmm. enough good things to say about her. Um, I agree. But now let's say some things about some some bad plays. We're, of course, talking about our error of the season. I feel like there's one clear winner of this. There were some bad errors all throughout. Yeah. But there was one that was just shockingly bad and unnecessary, at least for me. And that was Xavier admitting to charity on the fantasy sweet dinner portion that he <laughs> did cheat and would probably do it again. Error of the season. And then what? it was multiple times. And it yeah. was just like, you know, how it is with the boys. <laughs> it was just a a hole that he kept digging and digging and digging. Even when Charity was like, dude, let me take that shovel from you. He was like, give me the shovel. I'm, I got to keep digging. He's like, and hypothetically, I don't know if I could, wouldn't cheat on you either. Essentially. My cheating days were my most fun days. I'm just going to say that. They're still I my know. boys. Yeah, if we're married, <laughs> I'm not supposed to cheat, but <laughs> situations might arise. I don't know. Xavier's hypothetical infidelity wobble was also my <laughs> error of the season. Yeah, he really just dropped that ball. I really thought he was the ring winner up until it happened. And then mm. I was like, good Lord, I got it wrong. When we were recapping the uh, after the final rose or the tell all when he had his hot seat with um, Charity and it was like, okay, his job is essentially to repair this, this image so that if he goes to paradise, mm -hmm. he's got kind of a leg to stand on. The nation will be behind him finding a love story. I got to say, I went back and watched <laughs> that episode as I sometimes do. I don't think he pulled it off. After a subsequent viewing. Is he on, Sam? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think he's going. But oh. I don't think that he... I thought he did pull it off with the... Uh, he said he was going to therapy. Yeah, and he knitted her the weird rose. I, I don't know. It it felt strange to me. Oh, I forgot about the knit rose. TBH. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that's the a secondary error on top of this. But let's move on. We have two more season awards to give here. Of course, we're talking about the play of the season and our MVPs. So, Pace Case, what was your play of season 20, Bachelorette? I didn't give it my play of the game during this episode, but I do think that it is my play of the season. Braden Bowers's night one was my... Play of the season. 
I think in retrospect, what he did was extraordinary. He achieved the Femprose despite perhaps <laughs> raising some red flags with the mole <laughs> <laughs> that he didn't know was the mole. Yeah. And he is able to bounce back from that and defend it as well as just introduce himself as the star of the players of the season. And I do think that this propelled both his narrative forward in this season as being this like likable villain character as and leading to him getting this star role in the promos for Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. I, yeah, that night one was very impressive. I, if I remember right, I gave him my MVP, my play of the game, and my error of the game. Yes, you did. All, all, all in that one night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that for anyone. Uh, you I, get every play. I think I, in some cases, I was like, oh, this is just Clues' edgelording. And now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Clues, is, Clues is a gifted one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Well... Uh, I agree with you. Braden Bowers night one was great, but my play of the season goes to Joey Grazia days gaze play. Play of the season. <laughs> the man's eyes <laughs> landed a crown top his head. Period. Period. We first saw the gaze play in a week one group date where it was commented on openly by not only Charity, but everybody else who was involved in that group date, that he won't stop mm -hmm. looking at her. This gaze is powerful. And it carried him all the way through multiple one-on-one uh, -on -one other group dates, all the way to the meeting of Charity's family at which they all commented on his fucking eyes. This is a superpower mm -hmm. for this motherfucker. And I think it ultimately got him the crown. I sincerely do. And I can't wait to see how he's going to utilize this. Gazing out at the fourth audience. Uh, yeah, possibly, or at least at the producers. Imagine you're in a fucking ITM with this motherfucker. And you're like, okay, uh, Joey, what'd you think of that date? And he just takes five or six seconds to gather his thoughts, but he's looking right at that producer, right into their fucking... And he wins them over, yeah. The, the spot where their soul should be. <laughs> and that's it. He fucking cast a spell on all of them. He cast a spell on Charity. He cast a spell on her family, the fucking players. He's casting spells left and right with this eye power. And I do think Bachelor 28 is going to go down in history as the season of the eye. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> possible. The season of the eye. I think that the unbreaking eye contact is powerful and it is, you know, a huge tool for those who employ his play style, Quacon. Yeah. I agree. 100% agree. Um, but play of the season doesn't necessarily mean MVP of the season. So let's move on to our final award here. Mm -hmm. This is the big one. This is the person who gets the $100,000 prize. Um, just kidding. No prizes. But <laughs> who was your most valuable player from Bachelorette Season 20? Look, I wanted to be an Ed George and be like, it was charity. Right. Because I I did think that she is possibly one of... <laughs> I do think she has a huge part to do with this season being so successful in all Absolutely. these different ways that we've talked about. But there is one player who, to me, 
he was such a strong player that I think he had either the ring or the crown. I think that he had whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And what he wanted was the ring. And that's why Dotton was my M M M M V P P Interesting. That hometown date, the yeah. parent fake out. He's never seen the show. Mm-hmm. So he says. What do you mean? So he says. He's either a savant or he is very good at, at pretending like he hasn't seen the show. Yeah. And either way, I agree with you. He played really a perfect season and not just like a textbook perfect season where uh, no flourishes, no big risks were taken and just did like everything that you're supposed to do. He did everything you're supposed to do at like a level of times 10. It was just, it was stellar. I agree with you. His season was fucking fantastic. I don't know that we'll see something like that again uh, anytime soon. It had elements of Olakoya. It had elements of Moss. It had a lot of elements of like these superstar players who really have pushed the game forward for what ring winners can do. As well as, you know, Pilot Pete's nums. Yes, indeed. That mom and grandma play. Ugh, ugh. Unfortunately, I couldn't give him my MVP. Chuck. <laughs> my MVP. My most <laughs> valuable player of Bachelor at Season 20, taking all things into account, is, of course, Braden <laughs> Bowers. <laughs> you see. M, 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 V, P. As we said, Braden Bowers changed the villain game. He made it fun to be a villain again, which means the show is going to be fun again because we love to hate our fucking villains. We don't love to actually hate them. The villain is the show. Like, you need a villain. Yes, and and you want the villain to be fun. You want the villain to be villainous in a way that is like pushing the buttons of the other players. You don't want the villain yeah. to be villainous in a way that is like, oh, this is a terrible fucking person that we are going to have to hold accountable at the after the final rose for a blackface picture they took in high school. Bentley. You, you oh. don't want that. I was talking about like Lee Garrett uh, is kind of where that I feel like started off. Right. Right. Oof. But um, Braden Bowers was a fun villain. He was doing the most at all times when he was on camera with his wardrobe, with his turns of phrases, with his Mm -hmm. fearless play style in the face of all the other players coming after him. I'll never forget the party bus. Radish play. I think that was beets. I think he was eating beets. Oh, either way. Gross. (laughs) That was the Skamania Scout State, by the way. But um, no, I I just think he turned in a stellar fucking game. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe above everybody else. Sucking up to Gary in the finale. That was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful to watch. But I think maybe more than anyone else, he understood what it is to be a reality TV star. And now Mm -hmm. we're going to get to see him play again in paradise and watch him carry that even further. I think it's a non-zero chance we see him as a bachelor eventually. Uh, I don't think it's a a high possibility, but I think he's in the mix. Oh, my God. And if he turns in a good season on paradise and comes off of it as a star, uh, I think it's open to him. If he like he has to have a serious relationship if he actually wants to be a contender. Yep, I agree. And I think he can do that. I don't know anything that happens. Nor do I. I hope he does. Yes. I do as well, but uh, congratulations to Braden. Congratulations to Doughton. Um, and mm-hmm. and Joey, 
Xavier, I would almost say congratulations too, except for that giant fucking crazy error. But everybody who made it to like late game. Oh, Xavier played a like almost perfect season before that. He did. I agree. Up until that point, which is just that PTC, the mom play. Yeah. The knitting. Oh, very good player. I agree. But, uh, you know, all in all, Pace Case, it's been a pleasure calling this season with you. And I'm looking yes. forward to the next one, hoping that it's just as good as this season because fuck. The next two at once. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next 200 seasons with you, uh, hoping that they're all this good. But uh, sincerely to everybody who joined us for this one, Bachelor season 20 is fucking great. There's no other way to put it. This, in my mm -hmm. mind, goes into the pantheon of like some of the greatest seasons of all time of our beloved game. And I think that there's, especially in the near future, there's going to be a lot measured against this season, how it did, mm -hmm. how you felt after you watched it, who came out of it. And um, I'm happy for that because I, I think this, the bar is set very fucking high now again. Feeling good. Indeed. Um, but thanks everybody for joining us. Cash off. <laughs> we, uh, we'll be back on Friday with this week in bachelor nation, of course. And Grace Ann is always covering love Island on grafting with Grace Ann. So check that out as well. Yeah, I'm going to be on it this week with her doing the last few episodes Great. of Love Island USA, which is fantastic. Speaking of fantastic seasons, another yeah. fantastic season. So check that out and also go to gameofroses.co if you want to pick up some parasocial team merch. We now have Canada North in the store. So if you're from north of the border, check that out among all of the other parasocial teams that we also have available. And before we go, as always... By the way, that was another thing I liked about the scream last week <laughs> was that she called it a, a a teamless... She was from one of the teamless cities. <laughs> yeah, Philadelphia, I think it was, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,827 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 